Wilson. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Before we get going today, I, I got to take care of something, and I need to be real. We need to get serious for a moment before we uh, before we get the Wisco Sports Show underway. I would like to personally apologize and say I am sorry. My deepest condolences to anybody who spent their Tuesday evening watching that Badger game last night. Oh my. God, And we're going to talk about that. And thankfully, we got something else to talk about today other than Wisconsin's bad loss last night. Just to put it into a little bit of perspective as well. Like, I Look, the Big Ten is tough. Winning on the road in college basketball is tough. The Badgers are a good team. They're ranked in the top 25. Yeah, I throw all those disclaimers out there. Indiana had lost 12 of 13 games. Like, they are having an absolutely putrid stretch of basketball. After the first five, Minnesota, or not, not Minnesota, sorry, force of habit, Indiana cannot buy wins at all. They couldn't. And last night, you trip over every shoelace possible. You, you pee down just about every one of your legs on the team. Like, if there was a way to screw it up, they found it last night. The Badgers losing in double overtime. And I was dreading talking about that, but then some something else presented itself this afternoon, as it typically does happen in sports radio, and that is more Badger news, which is uh, regarding a team and regarding a player that we haven't talked about a whole lot recently, and that is Alex Hornibrook and the Badgers basketball team. So we are going to transition away from basketball, and, and for my mental health and for yours, it might be for the best. We'll revisit it coming back at about 5.30 just to complain and just to get our blood pressure back up. But in the meantime, I want to talk about Alex Hornibrook because it came down the wire this afternoon that he had entered the transfer portal, right? And, and I think the way that it happened was there was nothing, nobody knew anything about this, and then his name showed up in the transfer portal, and people started tweeting it, you know, college football analysts and writers Started putting it out there, and then Wisconsin was like, oh, damn it. All right, all right, yes, uh, by the way, Alex Hornibrook is leaving the program. You know, we talked on Tuesday. Now they got to make an announcement, and uh, Alex Hornibrook made an announcement as well. I will read that to you now. He posted it on his Instagram page. I don't follow Alex Hornibrook on Instagram, so I didn't see it. I saw it on Twitter. Big Ten Network tweeted it out. It said, I would like to thank the University of Wisconsin, the football coaches, the training staff, and my teammates, and the fans. For four great years as a Wisconsin Badger. For my four great years, I'm assuming he means. I've decided that after I graduate from the UW School of Business in May, I will transfer to a new school to play my final season of college football. I'm especially grateful for the friendships I've shared with my teammates. Wish them nothing but the best. Blah, blah, blah. I'm beyond excited for this opportunity and look forward to seeing what God has planned ahead on Wisconsin. Alex Hornibrook. So there you go. He's out. Mic drop moment. And naturally, the reaction from Wisconsin fans has, uh, well, let's just say, and look, maybe this isn't something to joke about. Let's just say Alex Hornibrook might not want to go on social media, might not want to read the comments to that Instagram post, and might not want to go to WKTY on Facebook or Twitter and read the comments and the tweets on our post breaking that news. Fair or not, look, Alex Hornibrook has been maybe a scapegoat for bigger problems that the team has had, especially last year, but he has been awful. Uh, last year, I think he had, off the top of my head, and I'll make sure to, to clear this up if I'm wrong, but 13 touchdowns last year and 11 interceptions, and he was dealing with concussions, and yet he, he just wasn't a good quarterback. He showed flashes of really good play here and there, and when I say here and there, it has really been way over here and way over there because it was once or twice a year it felt like he would show up. The BYU game two years ago, the Orange Bowl game over a year ago now, that was, I, I guess that was really it. The Michigan game last year, 
played pretty well, but he didn't really have a signature Alex Hornibrook game this season. And I look, I don't know the logic for Alex Hornibrook transferring, whether he, he wasn't jiving with the coaching staff, he didn't feel as though he was going to improve in the current system and under the current development plan that they had him on. Or maybe he just thought, and this is by far the pessimistic way to look at it for Alex Hornibrook, but maybe he just thought he had no chance of keeping his spot in the spring. I know everybody is really excited for Graham Mertz. I'm not super high on Graham Mertz for this upcoming year just because he's going to be a freshman. I, I, I don't know if our, if our expectations should be all that high. Jack Cohen, you could make an interesting argument. He he played well in stretches down down towards the end of the season, but he also had stretches of really bad play, and he made plays where it was like, man, you've been hanging out too much with Alex Hornibrook, right? You've been too, watching too much Alex Hornibrook film because he'd make a throw and you'd go, what the hell was that? Just like Alex Hornibrook would make a throw. And you, what the hell was that? Now, of course, Graham Mertz has yet to play. I And, and I want to talk about coming up uh, as the Wisco Sports Show rolls on, I want to I want to talk about maybe what the plan is going to be for the Badgers at quarterback next year because you know we can talk about positional battles and we can talk about you know which players are graduating, but for the most part, the only substantive conversation we're able to have right now, this far out, is about who's going to be the starting quarterback, and it is an interesting storyline. Certainly, uh, I was talking to a couple of friends this afternoon, and you know what? I'm going to hop on Facebook as well. Uh, over the break and, and maybe pick some of the best comments about the Alex Hornibrook news because it is odd when a player transfers you're not or requests a trade you're normally not celebrating. That has been the case today and so far this afternoon for Alex Hornibrook and his transfer announcement from Wisconsin. I, I think the worst and the most offensive thing Alex Hornibrook did while playing for uh, a... <laughs> this is so bad. Playing for UW-Madison was not actually on the football field. It was at the... Uh, the Buckingham Awards, you know, the athlete awards that UW-Madison does, not just for football, but all their sports. Remember when he played Chicken Fried by the Zach Brown Band? And I'm just like, ugh. It's not, it's not a, I was not a fan. Look, I know I'm, we're ragging on a college kid here. Uh, he's going to be a senior. So he's just a couple of months older than I am. Look, I, I've done some embarrassing stuff on campus. You can make fun of me for it. I've, I've fallen over on the sidewalk. I've hit the curb on my bike and fallen over. I've slipped and almost fallen down the stairs in, in Centennial Hall. Look, it, we're people. All right. I, I, I don't want to shelter him and, and wrap him in bubble wrap. We can talk about him as the player. Maybe I don't want to rip on his singing and guitar playing ability. Okay, maybe I do. Just a little bit. That was the worst thing for me in his in his time at, at Wisconsin. I think we do have a little bit of a blueprint for this, by the way, in terms of where the Badgers sit right now, you know, college programs, you're either getting better or, or you're waiting on younger players, right? So look at it this way. You're either top heavy or you're either young. Both have disadvantages, right? If you're top heavy and you have a lot of juniors and seniors, you're going to be good, but you're also going to be losing all those players and you're going to have to kind of start fresh the next year. And then there's the teams that aren't top heavy, but they're very youthful. I thought the Badgers last year were a mix of both. Going into this year, very, very young team. And I think that with some precedent in the past, especially with quarterback selection, you don't have to look back very far where the Badgers were in a very similar situation. And I think that's going to be very telling on how the Badgers might actually handle the quarterbacking duties uh, in this upcoming spring and then, of course, into next season. I don't make a lot of predictions, especially wins and losses, and I don't pick games. I don't, I don't think it's entertaining for for our listeners to tune in and hear me say why I think Tennessee is is going to beat, I don't know, Pittsburgh. Like, it's just, I don't know any more than anyone else. I'm not a professional sports better. I'm not, look, it's just not my thing. I, I don't love making predictions. I, I'm going to walk out on a limb a little bit and maybe not necessarily make a prediction, but make an educated guess based on the precedent that we've had in the past. Like I said, you go back a couple of years. 
based on the precedent of what we've seen in the past on what and how the Badgers are going to handle and what they are going to do at the quarterback position this upcoming season. I, I, I think I'm on to something here. Maybe you can correct me and, and you can bring your own take as well. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. You can join me there. Twitter is wide open as well. You can find me at Keystroker Grant and at WKTY. We tweeted out the story. Rick wrote it up. You can find it at WKTYsports.com about Alex Hornibrook's transfer request. Uh, he has played his last snap of football for the Wisconsin Badgers. Now, some fans, I'm not going to include myself in this bunch, but some fans, and mostly the optimistic fans, believe that he he had already played his final snap because come spring ball and come, you know, when Graham Mertz would be in camp and Jack Cohen's now got some snaps, that, that he would not be the starting quarterback regardless. I'm not of that belief. I will share those thoughts with you coming up as well. Like I said, what I think the Badgers are going to do this upcoming season at the quarterback position. Because like I said, you don't have to look very far when the Badgers found themselves in a very similar situation to this. Not with a transfer, not exactly, but where their team construction and the age of their players were pretty similar. And their quarterback room looked pretty similar. You don't have to go back very far. I'll tell you what I'm talking about when the Wisco Sports Show returns. Coming up next here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hopping aboard, hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. Badger fans, you might feel all sorts of conflictions today. I don't know how to feel. The Badgers played one of the ugliest sporting events. Not just basketball games, not just college basketball games, but one of the ugliest sporting events I've ever watched in my life last night. And we're going to talk about that coming up in about 10 minutes. But I bet, as you can imagine, we are dealing with the news of the day, and that is Alex Hornibrook. Has requested a... Well, I guess you don't have to request a transfer like you have to request a trade. He is just transferring. Uh, It first was announced that he was in the transfer portal today. He'd be out of there. And then the school announced it. And then Alex Hornibrook finally made his formal announcement on Instagram, his social media of choice. He once again, I'll read it one more time. He said, I would like to thank the University of Wisconsin, the football coaches, the training staff, my teammates, and the fans for four great years as a Wisconsin Badger. I've decided that after I graduate from the UW School of Business in May, I will transfer to a new school to play my final season of college football. And then he says he's grateful for his friendships with his teammates, wishes them nothing but the best, yada, yada. You can get the picture. Uh, pretty, I, I don't want to call it basic, but anytime somebody's leaving a job, anytime somebody is transferring, you see this on social media all the time. It's it's basically the same message. We're talking about this news, and, and oddly enough, like most of the time when a player, especially a quarterback, Goes to transfer, requests a trade if we're talking about the NFL level. Normally, it's not received well by fans, but it's almost an afternoon of celebration and an evening of celebration here in the state of Wisconsin. And maybe we'll get to our our Facebook page as well and and check out some of the comments because people were, as you can imagine, active on social media when they saw this news come across the wire. And you can check out that full story. Rick put a piece up at WKTYsports.com. You can go check that out for all the little details and a quotation or two from Paul Christ. You can get a hold of me at 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talk and text line. Andrew says, first off, I'm glad Hornibrook is gone after starting at QB so long it... Still amazes me how he didn't improve his decision-making, arm strength, or mobility despite the news about the Badgers quarterback situation. I want to know what the Badgers defensive front is going to look like next year. Last year, it was full of big heavies who couldn't move well or penetrate the opposing O-line. Thank you, Andrew, for a very comprehensive look. And like I said, I didn't think Alex Hornibrook was a great quarterback. What was frustrating about Hornibrook is he never seemed to improve. 
right? Like, like when he was a freshman sophomore, he would make plays where you're like, wow, this guy has a future. And then he would make plays where you would say, okay, well, yeah, he's still young. He's obviously got learning to do at the college level. The problem was that never changed over the next couple of years, right? Because there were a lot of people who believed in Hornibrook and said, he's a college quarterback. He's a sophomore, right? He's a freshman. You cannot get on his case. He still needs time to grow and improve. And that just never really happened. As I was saying earlier, he would make throws where you just be like, what the hell? What did you see? And I understand watching on TV, watching from your recliner is a lot easier uh, than being down on the field and actually having to pull the trigger on these throws. But three or four years in, man, you can't be thrown into triple coverage. Like that's just that's just a simple rule of quarterbacking, uh, of which I am not. So I, you know, far be it for me to be throwing stones, but it's it's the improvement, right? It's it's that growth that you look for out of a college quarterback, especially when he begins starting as a freshman. Uh, or a redshirt freshman, I, I believe, in the case of Alex Hornibrook. You look for that growth. You look for that improvement, and it never really came. There were other problems with the Badgers last year, as Andrew so uh, so poignantly stated. But it, it begins and starts with the quarterback position, like it does at any level of football or on any football team. I, I was talking earlier about what I think the Badgers are going to do this upcoming year at the quarterback position, because now they find themselves in an interesting position. They got Jack Cohen, who isn't necessarily a freshman, but he's not exactly a fifth-year senior. right? He's in the middle uh, experience-wise, and he got some starts last year, including a bowl game, right? Then they're going to have Graham Mertz, who is going, who is the flashy recruit, the quarterback that everybody's high on, and rightfully so, but he is yet to play a snap of college football. And then, oh yeah, Danny Vandenboom, I guess, is hanging around as well. And, and you start to ask questions and say things like, well, now, obviously, it's going to be Graham Mertz who has the starting job, right? Or, or, or well, they'll start with Jack Cohen, uh, at least for next year, and then they'll they'll look to transition Mertz. I, I don't necessarily buy into any of that, and and me, I look at the evidence from three or four years ago. Let's see. Okay, so I'm a junior right now at UWL. So two years ago, remember I was living in the dorms, which would have been the fall of 2016. The Badgers season that w- was almost unheralded up until the start. Uh, and then the Badgers beat LSU at Lambeau Field to open up the season, right? And they went on, I don't want to say a run, but they shattered expectations. They were in there with Ohio State. They could have won that game. They were in there with Michigan. They could have won that game. The team was great, especially the defense, which was spectacular. Their quarterbacking play wasn't tremendous. They didn't really have a great option. Alex Hornibrook was too young at the time. Bart Houston was a quote-unquote veteran, at least in the college sense. But but he was nothing tremendous. He was nothing special. So the Badgers did what they did, and that was, we are going to play two quarterbacks. Right, They're going to play Bart Houston. They're going to play Alex Hornibrook. Because their defense at the time was still relatively young. And it wasn't like they were going to graduate their entire team following that year. Right, They're like, all right, we have something this year. But really, if we want to put together a run, it's going to come in the next year or two. So they said, all right, we're going to take a little bit of a loss. We're going to bite a little bit of a bullet. And we're going to split quarterback time between Bart Houston and Alex Hornibrook to get Bart Houston some reps. Because remember, Bart was he was big. He was somewhat athletic. He he could tuck the ball and, and be a competent runner of the football, which if, if you've ever watched Alex Hornibrook is absolutely not the case. And you like some of his senior intellect and his leadership, but you also want to work Alex Hornibrook into the fold as well. It's a good time to do it. I actually think this upcoming year for the Badgers is a better example of if you ever were to play two quarterbacks, th- this would be the year. This would be the time to do it. And because the Badgers were so quick to pull the trigger on playing two quarterbacks two years ago, I think it makes even more sense to do it this upcoming season. Because think of it this way. On the offensive side of the ball, they are graduating some stalwarts we've seen for a couple of years. Alex Alec Ingold, Michael Dieter, Bo Benchwall, David Edwards are all at the Combine this week. 
And then on the defensive side of the ball, obviously T.J. Edwards, Ryan Connolly, Andrew Van Ginkle, Dakota Dixon. Like Those aren't all the players that they have graduated. Those are the marquee names. Those are the ones competing at the Combine this week. The Badgers have a lot of turnover. And a lot of the young players, the likes of Scott Nelson on defense, who is one of the, the bright young spots, right? And then on offense, a guy like Ferguson. You have a couple of young players that you like, and then you're graduating a very top-heavy, talented senior class. The Badgers are in flux, more so, I think, than they have been in the last four or five years. And in this year of flux, where you almost are going to kind of have to feel out what it is you have and what it is the trajectory of the team is. And, And let's be real, we talked about this 2019 recruiting class as one of the best classes the Badgers have ever had. So if there's any time to believe in the future and not as in this upcoming year, but probably the year after this and the year after that, the Badgers are in flux this year because I don't expect that class of 2019 to be immediately contributing this year, even if Graham Mertz is playing as as a starter, as a, as a rotating piece in the offense. I think it makes sense this year if the Badgers were ever to play two quarterbacks, which they did two years ago, I think it would make sense for this year to be the year. Right? I mean, it makes sense. The Badgers probably aren't going to try to contend for a national championship next year. Probably not. Let's be real. Probably not even a Big Ten championship because I didn't think they were spectacular. They had a lot of problems this year and they graduated some of their best players. I mean, TJ Edwards, Ryan Connolly, Andrew Van Ginkle right there. That's the heart of your defense. Dakota Dixon had a, had a comparatively down senior year, but still an incredible leader uh, and a great person on that defense, as everybody's talked about. And he was still an all Big Ten player. The Badgers lose a lot at the top. And, of course, they're going to lose some of their offensive line, but but they always reload. They always have good offensive linemen. The Badgers are going to be in a state of flux, at least for the first portion of the season. So why not, in non-conference play, see what you have in Jack Cohen. See what you have in Graham Mertz. I don't know if you necessarily need to hand that baton to only one of them. Look, I'm not a fan of a two-quarterback system, but if there was ever a time to employ one, wouldn't, wouldn't this be the year? I mean, we saw the Badgers do it two years ago with Bart Houston and Alex Hornibrook. And then, of course, later on in the year, Alex Honeybrook just took over the starting role. I, why not? Why not do it? Feel it out, at least through non-conference play. And then if Graham Mertz starts to run away with it or one quarterback looks to be head and shoulders above the other, then give them the starting job and you play for next year anyways. 608-796-2558. We're talking about the Badgers quarterback situation. And you can join in on the five-star telecom talk and text line. I don't know what the Badgers are going to do. I think it's a mess now. It, with Alex Hornibrook, it, well, I don't want to say you know what you were getting, but Alex Hornibrook was going to be the senior. He was definitely going to be the incumbent, in my opinion, as poorly as he had played at times. Still the incumbent. He would still have been defending his starting job. I'm not saying he would have had it in an iron grip. I'm not necessarily saying he was on a cool throne, you know, compared to a hot seat. But he was going to be the incumbent. And now you take away that certainty. You take away that question. Well, you replace it with a question mark, which is Jack Cohen. He's got a little bit of experience. You don't necessarily love it. But then again, who knows when he gets all the first team reps and who knows when he gets all the action and he's not coming in and relieving Alex Hornibrook off an injury. And then you have Graham Mertz, of course, who is the young stud that everybody is high on. I just don't know if he's going to be ready to be a quarterback on a Big Ten, upper level Big Ten team his freshman year. Now, obviously, it's been done. I'm, I just don't have my my heart set on, you know, 100% Graham Mertz for this upcoming fall of 2019. I, I, it's not that I don't see it. It's just that I have question marks. And if the Badgers have used that two-quarterback system in the past, I, I see no reason why they wouldn't whip it out again this year. I actually think it makes more sense this year than it did two years ago when they were doing it with Alex Hornibrook and Bart Houston. That year, I thought they had a legitimate shot 
with their strength of schedule, if they were able to win a couple of those games and they got that LSU win and then they kept winning down and down the round. And, and I was watching that defense and I was thinking, God, this is a good defense. And they had a great running game. And I'm thinking, go for it. See what you can't do. And I think when you have a two quarterback system, there's, there's uncertainty. There's a question mark. I think it's difficult for an offense to really find some consistency. And it probably hurts your team in the win-loss column just a little bit. This year, I don't know that the Badgers' focus is going to be the same as it was last year. Which last year, was it was, we're making the college football playoff. That was the shot. And obviously, that was a catastrophic failure. This year, they are in flux. They graduated a huge group of talented players on both sides of the ball. You don't really know what you got anywhere. So why not test it out, especially use that non-conference season? I'm not a lover of the two-quarterback system, but if the Badgers have used it in the past and they have, I I think it makes sense for them to pull that back out this upcoming fall. It's something that we're going to have to follow along, and and we are talking a ton of Badgers today. Well, we were going to start with the absolute atrocity that was the Badgers basketball game last night. Luckily, we had a little bit of Alex Hornibrook news to push that down the docket. So we're going to talk about that when we come back here on the Wisco Sports Show. I also want to get to some Brewers. They lost again today. Uh, not that that means a whole hell of a lot in the grand scheme of things, but a couple more news and notes from spring training, including, for whatever reason, has become the hottest story of Brewers spring training. It blew up on Twitter. I saw Bill Michaels and Radio Joe were talking about it. And I cannot believe that this that people are up in arms about this. So I want to talk about that coming up as well. A lot more of the Wisco Sports Show to come here on WKTY. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM, and always streaming live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out, talking a lot of Wisconsin today. It's appropriate here on the Wisco Sports Show, but very literally talking Wisconsin, both football and basketball. We've been focusing on Alex Hornibrook and his trade request, and now I want to get into, well, I don't want to. We have to get into what went on last night, and I started the show by apologizing sincerely to every one of our listeners who spent their Tuesday night watching that Wisconsin-Indiana basketball game, and I am not being dramatic. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. And you know how I've complained about Badger basketball the last couple of weeks, and and that's fine. If you can agree with me, you don't have to agree with me. Last night was one of the worst sporting events I have ever watched, Uh, and I do not like golf that much. Uh, I don't like NASCAR that much, although I will sometimes watch the Daytona 500. I'll tune in. You know, it's an American thing. I'll tune in and watch that. I don't really like, uh, what's another odd sport? Like, tennis kind of goes over my head. I would rather watch any of those three things. I would rather watch on mute in a silent room than watch the game that I watched last night. If you ever want, my, my friend uh, Craig messaged me last night. He said, if you ever want me to give you anything, just tie me to a chair and put me in front of that game and I'll give you whatever you want. To which I responded, uh, that would be cruel and unusual punishment and I'm not going to go there. Yes, thank you very much. I know we are we're funny people. Last night's game was brutal. Uh, on a lot of reasons. And by the way, don't say I didn't warn you. When we were wrapping up the show yesterday, I said, look, uh, tonight I know the Badgers play Indiana. I said, I'm probably going to watch Celtics Raptors. I'm probably going to watch Nuggets Thunder. I might check out that. I might just go to the library and stare at a wall. I might do that instead, but I'm not watching the Badger game. Well, I I watched a little bit. It's my job, right? <laughs> 
to talk about it on this show. It was one of the worst pieces of television. That should not that game should not be allowed to be broadcast on national TV. It should be like like the porn channels and like the nine hundreds. Like you have to pay like a special subscription and like have an encryption in the remote to get into it or however that stuff used to work. That's what last night's game should have been. That was brutal. And it was inappropriate for public viewing because it was an offensive depiction of basketball. 73 to 75 was the final score. Indiana won 75 73, excuse me, in double overtime. Because if there's one thing that you don't need when you're watching a brutally bad brand of Big Ten basketball, it is more brutally bad Big Ten basketball. 75 73, double overtime. Both of these teams trying to give the game away last night. And it's ridiculous. Indiana pulls to 500 in total, 5 to 12 in the conference. And after the first half dozen or so Indiana games this year, they were on a streak of losing like 12 of 13, 13 of 14 games. They can't win a damn thing, regardless of having a lottery pick in Romeo Langford. I, I mean, the Badgers, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Just like listen to, listen to these stats last night. The Badgers shot 27 of 69. That's not even 40%. Indiana shot 26 of 64, which is just barely 40%. The three-point line, 27% and 30% for Wisconsin and Indiana, respectively. That's putrid. Don't even be started from the free-throw line. The Badgers were 13 of 25, which is just over 50%. And Indiana was 17 of 27, which is just over 60%. Which would be horrible on every metric possible, except when compared to the Badgers, who somehow shot worse than 63% from the line last night. I don't want to watch this team anymore. Like, just call me when the Big Ten tournament starts. I'll tune in because I have to. Call me when the the national, when March Madness starts. Whatever the seed the Badgers get. Because, yes, they are a lock. I know we've seen people talking on Twitter. Well, if they lose out and they get an early bounce in the Big Ten tournament. No, the Badgers are making the tournament. That's just uh, the nature of things. That's just the way that it's going to go. But I'm I'm not watching until the Big Ten tournament. That's it. That's where I draw the line. Okay, you know, I say this, but I'm I'm going to watch. Otherwise, we can't talk about it on the show. But, like, I'm not happy about it, right? I will watch on mute with another game next to me with music. And, like, I, I just give me a full bottle of, of brandy, too, and just a cup of ice because that's the only way to watch this stuff. I'm surprised they have not, like, moved this onto a private, like, an online streaming where you need to, like, show a credit card and, like, prove that you're over the age of 21 to watch this because it really is inappropriate for, for a, a good portion of your normal sports viewing audience. It's dangerous and it's very inappropriate. And what's even worse, you say, you know, we talk about the steam, the team stats and all the flubs by both teams down the line, including the Badgers, letting Romeo Langford dribble right on the final possession, even though I don't think I've once seen him dribble left all year. Uh, that should not have been hard to scout, but somehow that went over uh, everyone's head in the timeout leading up to that final play. But that's neither here nor there. Put all of that aside. Put aside the shooting numbers. Put aside the free throw numbers and the turnovers, of which, by the way, I don't think I mentioned turnovers. Uh, Wisconsin had eight. Indiana had 13. Put all that aside. There was like five minutes of college basketball action last night that felt like it took two hours. Like, that's, that's not good. For all that we talk about baseball and pace of play, you know, we talk, well, football game, nobody's complaining about the pace of play of football games. I guess it's just baseball. For as much as we complain about it, you know what no one talks about? The putrid pace of play and television that college basketball makes. It's awful. And it's, I say putrid not to be dramatic. It was awful. I spent what felt like two hours last night watching five minutes or less of actual college basketball action. It was awful. I want my night back. I want my evening back. I made a mistake. I know I, t- I told everyone not to tune in. I only watched a little bit. I watched the second half.
which of course turned into about two and a half hours because they went to double overtime. Because like I said, nobody wanted to make free throws. Nobody wanted to win. That's just, I guess that's just how it goes. Got sick of it. I don't expect the Badgers to make their free throws. It doesn't make it any less frustrating watch, watching them brick one after another. I guess the one silver lining last night. Although when you lose a game like that, there I I find no silver lining in that. Khalil Iverson did have 15 points last night. He's on a, a little bit of a stretch of, of pretty good play here, scoring in double digits. Of course, going to, going to double overtime helps. Pad your scoring stats just a little bit. Their bench just... Their bench didn't do much of anything at all. Brevin Pritzel had six. Kobe King had four. He had a couple nice plays, and Aleem Ford hit a three. Like, I... They just don't score a lot. Brad Davison had three points last night. One of 11 from the field. One of seven from beyond the three-point line. Three points, by the way. Can we get can we get a round of applause? Can we get a sarcastic round of applause for that? Yeah, okay. Thank you. Nate Reavers only had seven. Look, Ethan Happ had 23 points last night. That's not bad. It's just you can't... He's not an effective player down the stretch. And when the Badgers are in crunch time... And when they are in close games, which, let's be real, we've talked about this a hundred times, due to the style of play that they use by taking up as much of the shot clock as possible and making the game as short and as ugly as possible, you're going to be in close games. You're not going to run away with games, although they had opportunities to last night. You're not going to run away with games. So when you're close and when it gets into crunch time and when you're playing situational basketball at the end, you got to make your free throws. They didn't last night. You can't turn the ball over, which they did a lot last night. You can't miss shots at the rim. You can't miss bunnies. They did last night. And you need to be aware... Of the opposition's scouting report and their tendencies. And on the final possession, one of the most notable players in college basketball, Romeo Langford, who's going to be a lottery pick, not only do you allow him to beat you, but you allow him to do it going right, which he has literally, literally not done once this entire college basketball season. I don't know if that falls on Greg Gard. I don't know if that falls on the Badgers defenders for not paying attention to such a thing. I don't know where that falls. I think it comes down to players making plays. I don't fault Greg Gard for a lot of this. The truth is, he's got a lot of players who just suck at free throws. Ethan Happ's not a good shooter. Khalil Iverson's not a good shooter. Now, Demetri Trice and Brad Davison, that's their own problem if they can't hit free throws. Kobe King, Brevin Pritzel, that's their own fault. But you have a lineup. Two of your five starters are awful. Like, they're, they, their shooting is non-existent. So, of course, when you put them in the line, they're not going to be good shooters. But it's just, uh, it's the same old story. It is a broken, it is a literal broken record. We have we have talked about this so many times now that it is broken. Badgers lose again last night in double OT. And look, I, I don't really care. Tonight, Maryland's going to play. The Badgers are idle. So you cheer for Maryland to lose. Uh, they're playing Penn State, and, and the Badgers trail them by by one in the Big Ten. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. We're going to roll this Badger talk over just a little bit. I do want to get to some Brewers stuff as well. Bob says, instead of shooting free throws, they should allow the Badgers to just go back on defense and give the opposing team the ball. They have a better chance of getting <laughs> getting a turnover than making a free throw. Bob, I agree. And to be honest, that would help pace of play. That would help the game move along just a little bit quicker because it took way too damn long last night. And I look, if it was a great game and it lasted however many hours, that's one thing. But I didn't need any extra of that putrid basketball that we were watching last night. So, Bob, I think we got to think about that. Uh, I'm going to start typing up a memo. We're going to send it to the Big Ten Conference, and, and maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll take up our advice. I really like that, Bob. So thanks for chiming in. You can do so as well. Like I said on the Five Star Telecom talking text line, we are hating the Badgers. By the way... Uh, I'm not going to apologize to our wonderful Badger guest and analyst, Zach Heilprin, because I appreciate the work that he does, and I appreciate the tremendous insight and information I get from him when he comes on the show. Hopefully he's not listening right now. I don't know why he would be. Let's just keep it between you and me. I, 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 I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> 
I call you when the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament starts because that's the next time I'm going to care about a game. Plain and simple. I do care about the Brewers, though, so let's let's transition to something a little bit more positive. We're talking spring training, and for whatever reason, this has become the biggest storyline of spring training. I, I don't know why. I saw Bill Michaels and Radio Joe both talking about it. I'm going to give my two cents, and also the Brewers played today a couple of takeaways on the way here on the Wisco Sports Show. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. And I hope, for our sake, that last night you spent your time listening to some local basketball with Drew Kelly, checking out Logan and Sparta playoff time. Big time here on WKTY. So make sure you're staying up to date with everything going on, whether it's college basketball, playoff high school basketball, as we look to follow Central and on Alaska and the likes of some other teams as well throughout the postseason. So make sure you're checking up to date with that at WKTYsports.com. I hope you spent your night last night doing that instead of watching the Badger game that we just talked about. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talking text line. Love to hear from you if I haven't already uh, about a whole bunch of things. I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about the Brewers today, and we do have a little bit of time, so let's get into it. They lost uh, to the Cleveland Indians today, 6-1. I Look, I don't... I don't think it's a, a huge deal, the final scores. I mean, we're looking uh, for more than beyond the box score. Well, I guess the box score does tell the, tell the story. You're looking, all right, how did this pitcher pitch today in limited time, as it always is in spring training? What about some of these young prospects that everybody's excited about? What are we actually seeing in game action in spring training when you have some major leaguers intermixed in there? Because let's be real, throughout the minor league season, guys like Keston Hira, and Corey Ray, and Mauricio Dubon. Everybody's talking highly about them because they're mashing down in the minor leagues. There's not exactly an influx of upper-level talent in the minor leagues, right? So this is an example and an opportunity to see some of those higher-level prospects of which we are so excited, see them against a major league or arm here and there, right? They're not all going to be stud pitchers, but they're intermixed in there, so it's a nice glance. They lost 6-1, to like I said. The only run uh, coming on Corey Ray's home run, he had an absolute Bomb. If you haven't seen the home run, I'm going to find the video. I'm going to retweet it at WKTY uh, here before the show is over. So if you haven't checked it out, uh, go to at WKTY on Twitter. It was an absolute dong shot uh, into what would be uh, in Arizona, the left field, the right field fence, excuse me. <laughs> Numbers, directions, yeah, I struggle on live radio. The right field uh, lawn with all the <laughs> the Wisconsinites sitting out there sunning themselves, uh, just trying to unthaw on a little spring break type of vacation. The the Brewers pitchers today were, were intermixed, and Yoli Shasin got the start. I believe he only he threw one inning. Five pitches was all it took. One, two, three, so obviously you like that. Josh Tomlin pitched as well, and Craig Council talked about how he thought that he looked good. You know, he he saw some good stuff. He did give up a home run, uh, two hits. One of them was a home run, so that was one of the runs that he surrendered. Uh, but he thought Tomlin looked good. Junior Guerra pitched as well, actually. Two full innings. He had a strikeout and no hits, and, and Craig Council was talking about how Junior thought he looked good, looked confident, had some zip. Remember, he added some velocity at the end of last season, changed himself around as a pitcher a little bit. Josh Tomlin is another one of those uh, pitchers that we've been keeping our eye on a little bit throughout spring training. Other pitchers, uh, other pitchers were Jackson. Supak, who took the loss, uh, and Wilkerson as well. Not that, I mean, we got we to gotta pick and choose what we're focusing on and what matters to us. I would say the big takeaways today were Corey Ray hit an absolute bomb. Shasin looked comfortable starting. Tomlin showed some good stuff, and Craig Council echoed that in his postgame presser, although he did give up a home run. And Junior Garrett continues to look confident and, and hopefully can be, once again, uh, a part of this Brewers pitching staff, whether it's some sort of middle relief out of the bullpen or into the starting rotation, because right now you don't really know 
exactly where some of those middle-of-the-road pitchers are going to be, like the Brandon Woodruffs, like the um, Junior Garras and the Freddie Peraltas and the Corbin Burns. They all are in different positions, and then they're all fighting probably for the same track, either into the rotation or at the top end of the bullpen in that middle-relief, long-relief type of role. So uh, we continue to monitor all of those pitchers as well. It's hilarious, and I shouldn't be surprised, uh, because the biggest storyline of spring training, and I saw Bill Michaels talking about this, I saw this, Radio Joe is tweeting about it as well. He, he, he Joe likes to get stirred up about things like this. Uh, and Andrew Wagner, who actually does work covering the Brewers and uh, writes for Forbes Sports. He's on 920 sometimes in Milwaukee. Uh, he, he posted a picture of the concession stand prices for Brewers spring training games. And these are the same that it's always been. Uh, domestic can of beer. Uh, so I don't know what entirely they sell. Uh, I would imagine they sell Miller Light, but I also see Coors Light on the sign. I don't know if they have Bud Light as well. I don't know if they have your your big three for your domestics. And then they have domestic draft beer, uh, which is ten twenty five. Your domestic can beer is twelve dollars. Henry's sparkling soda. I would imagine it doesn't say if it's the hard stuff, but I would imagine it is. That's nine dollars. A bottle of soda is five dollars. Bottled water is five dollars, and peanuts are five fifty. And as you can imagine, people were up in arms about this. I don't know why. Like, are why why do we get mad about these things? Like, people get mad about the Badgers missing free throws as if it's not like the sun rising in the morning, right? Like, you walk outside in the morning, yeah, the sun is up. It would be stupid to get yourself pissed off about that every morning. Just like it's stupid, although we do it, getting pissed at the Badgers for missing free throws because you know it's coming. You, know, you literally know what's happening. When you go to a professional sporting event, spring training or otherwise... Whether it's the Brewers, whether it's the Twins, whether it's the Oakland A's, I don't care. The concessions are going to be expensive. Like, can we can we all stop trying to flex our social justice warrior strength on Twitter? And well, they don't care about their fans. I no class from the organization trying to job fans out of money. Look at the Atlanta Falcons. Look at the cheap concessions they have at their stadium. Shut up. I don't. I don't care. Yeah, if you want to get a game and a beer, it's going to be expensive, right? It's convenient. They'll bring it right to your. They'll bring it right to your seat. Beer here? Yep, I'll have one. $12? Okay, whatever. Yeah, sucks. It sucks. It's the, it's the, it's the state of nature. It is. You want to beat it? Get drunk before you go into the game. That's what tailgating is for. I thought we figured that out, right? I thought Wisconsin fans, because beer prices are so high in the game, we figured it out and we just set up shop outside under the tailgate of our car or on the tailgate of our truck and we grill up and we just pound a bunch of beer before we go in. So then you don't have to buy the burger. Then you don't have to buy the hot dog. You don't have to buy the bag of peanuts because you can just eat it outside. You don't have to drink beer because you're slogging down a 30-pack of Bush Light with your buddies in the parking lot, in the Euchre lot, right? Right next to your grill and right next to all the outhouses. Like, that's what Wisconsin fans have figured out. I thought that was what tailgating was. I'm just, I'm looking at some of these comments. I'm looking at some of these tweets, and I was looking at what Bill was tweeting and Radio Joe. I'm just like, you guys get so pissed over nothing. You're so upset. Yeah, a tall Miller Light can is going to cost you $12. Like the plane ticket to Arizona wasn't expensive. And wherever you're staying in Arizona isn't expensive. And you're parking at the Phoenix Fields of Arizona or whatever it's called. I can't remember now. Everything is expensive. It's the way of the world. Stop being a baby. I'm sick of it. Sorry if I'm uh, if I'm being too direct with some of our listeners. I don't like the concessions are expensive. It's the way of the world. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. So I just wanted to get that out there today. As spring training rolls on, let's try to focus on things of substance. Uh, like Corey Ray hitting an absolute bomb and a, a piss missile, if you will, of a home run. Uh, that's one of my favorite things is to 
use different names for home run. Whatever. He put it way over the right field fence, way back into the lawn, almost near the trees uh, in right field at the Brewer Spring Training Park. And, and Corey Ray is one of those guys who everyone is excited for, and I think rightfully so. You have Keston Hira. You have Corey Ray. I think Mauricio Dubon fits into that group. Luke, Lucas Ursig, I think, also falls into that group of these guys who you are very excited about. Whether the prospect of them contributing at the major league level, either this summer or next with the Milwaukee Brewers, or being traded for a more established player like they did with Lewis Brinson for Christian Yelich. And oh, by the way, how did that work out? I don't think Lewis Brinson was nearly the type of player that Christian Yelich was this year for the Brewers. Oh, he wasn't? Okay, yes, that's right. Lewis Brinson, I don't know what he hit. Last time I checked, uh, he had like a 169 average when I checked in July or August. They have a lot of exciting pieces. Let's try to focus on that. Uh, I saw Keston here get a hit the other day, and I'm like, ah, throwing a little fist bump around. Like, I, it, it is fun to get excited about prospects. This is the time of year to do it. This is not the time of year to be social justice warriors about the price of concessions. We don't need to mess around with that. Uh, Boone's Farm chimes in on the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558. He says, back when the Braves were in Milwaukee, fans could bring their own beer into the ballpark. I say we go back to that. Boone's Farm, that's the best statement. That's the best opinion. That is the best damn thing I've heard today, and I appreciate you for bringing that to the five-star telecom talking text line. Hell yeah, bring your own beer into the ballpark. Why not? Well, because they want to make $12 a can off it into the ballpark, but that's neither here nor there. Boone's Farm, I'm glad somebody's using some common sense out there. Let's bring that back. I want to bring my own hooch into the ballpark. A little cooler, just a little shoulder bag, you know? With, you know, enough to fit ten or so cans in there. Come on. A game against the Reds in July on a Tuesday night, you're not going to tell people they can't bring their own booze into the ballpark? Let's bring that back. Uh, that is a social justice campaign. That is uh, an argument that I can get behind and put all of my energy into. So Boone's Farm, thanks for bringing that uh, on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Once again, a couple of things. A little bit of homework for you to do. If you haven't already checked out the article at WK2iSports.com about the details of Alex Hornibrook transferring... You can find that at our website, WK2iSports.com. The headline is Badgers quarterback Hornibrook leaving program beyond excited for this opportunity. Now, some might argue that his opportunity last year to play with an elite core of wide receivers and an elite offensive line and the best running back in the country would have been opportunity enough. But, I mean, what else are you going to say, right? Let's not get into technicalities here. So go check that out on our website. And also uh, check out our Twitter account, at WK2i. I'm going to post the video of that uh, of that Corey Ray home run because the Brewers did lose today. Uh, they did lose 6-1 to as their spring training series rolls on. But that is a highlight play, and it's by one of those players, like I said, notable players who I, we are keeping our eye on, right? That's something that we are drawn to, something that we're paying attention to, regardless of what the final score was. So Junior Guerra looked good today. Uh, Josh Tomlin looked good today, as did Yoli Shasin, who pitched the first inning and only needed five pitches to go one, two, three. So good things to take away, and your homework at WK2iSports.com and at WKTY on Twitter. Good show, and thanks, Boone's Farm, for by far the best thing I heard today. Let's bring back bringing your own booze into the stadium. That's a campaign I can get behind. Until then, same time, same place tomorrow. More of the Wisco Sports Show on the way. I will talk to you then.